Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We are at altitude and trying to adapt. I was going to say, if you just hear me just <gasps> taking big, deep breaths during the show... That's why. Actually, no. To be honest, and we'll do an episode on this after my race, and hopefully, hopefully with like a very positive message. But I'm not gonna not gonna count my chickens here. But I do think the amount of fear that has been put in my head around altitude, like just everyone kind of panicking over it and being this huge scary thing, like getting up to you know we're around ten thousand feet right now, like getting up here. I was actually like legitimately terrified that it was just going to be, everything was going to be hard. Like I wouldn't be able to walk without doubling over and wheezing. Um, and so far that has not been the case. So anyone who's getting a little panicky about anything at altitude, I, I think actually tip number one is just like calm down, cool your jets. Okay. So, which, yeah. It's, it's certainly personal, I think, but uh, yeah, it's lots of people come to altitude and, and do just fine. And I was saying to you, I think some of the fear comes from looking at, uh, you know, symptoms of altitude sickness and these things, which can happen at these, what they call moderate altitude. To be fair, I was not looking at altitude sickness for humans. I was checking on it in dogs. Right. And I think even some of that stuff is, you know, very quick, uh, ascent up to, you know, very high altitude or high altitude, which is, you know, be much beyond this, even 10,000, uh, that most of these events, these cycling events happen at, um, and or people with existing conditions as well. So, yeah, sure. I mean, I think you need to respect it, try and be as fit as you can, which you've done. So, so far, so good. We'll see. Like you say, you still need to race at altitude, it's which is, true, is yeah. a whole different thing than doing, uh, you know, training endurance runs. Yeah, exactly. So we shall see. We will report back. Um, but I do think like if you, it's like the hypochondria thing, right? As soon as you start or what is the thing that um, doctors and residents tend to get or like new doctors where it's like they think that they have everything as they're in medical school? Like they hear about a... Oh, a different Munchausers? No. no, it's it's specific to doctors who are like in residency. Oh, I think or, it's hypochondria, isn't it? It's a specific kind. Anyway, uh, where, you know, you hear about a thing, so you sort of think you have it. I'm trying to kind of reverse psychology my way out of any altitude things. I think like anytime I'm even slightly stuffy up here, my instant is like, oh God, it's just hard to breathe. And then I'm like, no, it's not. You're just a little stuffed up. It's fine. It's everything's fine. So everything is fine is where we are at. I'm feeling good, feeling excited, which is great. Um, and yeah, generally things are things are going well. Uh, so before we get into today's topic, which actually I'm super, super excited about, it, it's based around, you know, one of the coolest interviews I've gotten to do lately. Uh, we did want to kind of talk about Inside Tracker, which on the note of being fit, being healthy, uh, being on top of all of the major biomarkers that uh, ensure that, that things are going correctly internally. Uh, definitely, we love recommending Inside Tracker to people. Uh, if you're you know, Canadian, it can be really hard to get blood work done. It's hard to find a doctor who will requisition a, a really wide-ranging panel. Um, I was actually just talking to a friend who uh, we were kind of laughing because she had gone to a naturopath sort of thinking she wanted to get blood work done, but didn't want to like spend the money on something like inside tracker. But by the time, you know, she paid for the naturopath and like all of the follow-up blood work and the follow-up with the naturopath that actually cost more than like one of these panels would have. 
Um, so it's sort of an interesting interesting conundrum and we really like the you know it can get measured at home which we've talked about you know some people get quite nervous when they go to a doctor's office or a lab so having it done at your home you know just before you have breakfast we've even been having breakfast cooked uh you know the 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 person taking the nurse taking the the blood probably much apologies to the uh, to the people taking our blood with like bacon cooking on the stove and like the smell of eggs and bacon in the air but that's right And, and so it's uh convenient i guess is where we're getting right especially if you do have to you know go to work get the kids to school it's sometimes hard to find the time to get to the uh blood draw yes and i mean i do stand by it if time is money or even like workout time is money like getting to you know go get your blood drawn go to the go to the naturopath do any of that stuff that can cost you a lot of time working or working out so definitely the mobile blood draw makes it super easy um, and yeah, they have different levels of the panels. There's the essentials, there's the ultimate. So sort of a few different price ranges, depending. You can also add on DNA or inner age if you're interested in kind of getting into a little bit more nuanced stuff. The DNA is pretty interesting, I would say. Uh, so yeah, all really cool stuff. And right now you can get 20% off uh, everything in the store at insidetracker.com backslash consummate or just use the code consummate at C-O-N-S-U-M-M-A-T-E or just check the show notes and click on the link in there uh, and you get 20% off, which is actually a pretty good deal. We have been known to use our own code. Uh, so definitely check that out, insidetracker.com backslash consummate. All right focus and effort in workouts and training. That's where I wanted to go today. So I was super lucky to get to talk to Sue Jackson, who is probably the leading expert on flow state in the world right now, ever since her mentor, and apologies if I butcher it, Mahai Csikszentmihalyi, and I'm pretty sure I got that right because she like schooled me on it when I interviewed her. Uh, so he's the guy that wrote the book on flow. A lot of people have heard of flow state or have you know read bits and pieces about flow state. Uh, pretty much if you listen to any kind of sport or self-help or entrepreneurial or really any kind of like podcast to that effect, you've probably heard about flow state. Um, kind of popularized by I'd say big wave surfing is probably like the most common time you hear about flow state. Uh, I think it's probably common in endurance sport too. And people, you know, the experience of time going by, you know, you didn't even realize. Um, yeah. So that's actually what I was talking to Sue about because in my head, I didn't, like, I was aware that it exists, obviously, in endurance sport. But I would say most people think about it in terms of like a downhill mountain biker would experience flow state whilst going downhill right? Like time slows down. They can see every rock and root and like think about every single like turn. They're just completely focused. It's just this like almost feeling of effortlessness, even though there's like full effort being made. Um, And actually flow state is sort of defined by where challenge and skill sort of meet perfectly. So you're avoiding um, low challenge, high skill, which would be really boring but you're, and you're also avoiding high challenge, low skill, which would be very anxiety inducing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the more we talked about it, the more I was like, oh, okay, this really does apply to endurance sports. Um, you might consider it sort of similar to a runner's high, although the argument there is runner's high is actually like a physical thing. It's the release of the endorphin hormones. Um, so it's actually like a technical, like physical thing that happens. Flow state is much more of a mental thing. Um, but yeah, apparently endurance sport, very, very like possible, not, not maybe common, but like it happens. 
So I wanted to get into the concept of flow because I thought, you know, as I was talking to her, I was like, oh, flow state, like during sports seems amazing. Like what, you know, of course we want to, we would want to be in this all of the time, like naturally, right? If flow state is a good thing, more of a good thing is great. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. Uh, so it turns out that's that's probably not the case, <laughs> because if you think about always being right where your maximum skill meets like the right challenge for you, you'd be exhausted all of the time. Um, so this this kind of got us into this discussion of like, how do you get into flow? When should you be in flow? Uh, you know, what are sort of some of the markers of it? Uh, and what are some of the things that might keep us from being in in flow state? Um, and is that a bad thing? So I started thinking about with cycling, you spend a lot of time, you know, if you're inside training on Zwift Island, uh, how many people do we know that have like the three screen setup going, mm. right? Or at least two screens. You've got Zwift, you've got a movie playing. Uh, maybe you're listening to a podcast as well or some music. Uh, you just have a lot of like outside stimulation versus uh, your preferred method of riding indoors, which is the staring at a wall methodology. Yeah, and I don't know that one is better than the other, um, but it does get to that, like, what are you paying attention to or not trying to pay attention to? And so if we're trying to divert our attention away from the activity, then, you know, I don't know if you mentioned it, but like part of that flow state is that like it's something that's enjoyable. Uh, So you you are feeling like, oh, I have the skill and then, you know, it's challenging enough for me. This was something like, a, you know, the race, you've peaked for this race, you're feeling really good, you know, you're in the mix, you know, you're competing for that, whatever you do, but that it's like inherently enjoyable. And I think this is sometimes the trick with some of this, something like an indoor trainer where it's not really <laughs> enjoyable. Um, but I, I don't know that, you know, something like a, a Zwift or an online software that's like virtual, probably there's people that get pretty immersed in it and do enjoy it and then work hard in, in a race. I think it's probably possible, but I think your point about the multiple screens and music in the background and they're reading a book and doing their homework and answering emails, that's maybe getting further away from the flow state. Which again, not necessarily a terrible thing, but we'll get into that. And then for me, it's it's running while listening to podcasts. And I've talked about that on here when we were actually doing our uh, sort of Q2 goal assessment or like, where, you know, how are we doing with our goals from earlier in the year? And I said I had slipped into this really bad habit of not turning podcasts off when I'm doing my workouts. And I think in that, what I was kind of getting at is like, I'm not really getting into any kind of focus or flow state during my workouts. Even if I was actually going pretty hard, I was still sort of avoiding the actual thinking about the work I was doing, thinking about being in that moment, focusing on the run. Uh, I was just sort of putting in the, uh, going going through the motions almost. Mm -hmm. So I'd said that time, like I was gonna, you know, make it a point to, every workout, make sure that I am shifting to turning on the music. So that way I was kind of much more into the, the flow state, really getting into my groove. And actually uh, right here, I want to just quickly include a clip of Sue and I talking about the podcasts versus music versus silence uh, for, for bikes and running when we're talking about flow state. So I'm going to play that real quick here. How, how does like, the, how do those like outside stimuli potentially impact flow? Like if someone wants to have a more like flow state bike ride, does that mean we should turn off our music and our podcasts and our beeping and notifications and texts coming up and all that stuff? Or 
or can we be listening? Well, probably, <laughs> I guess by definition, flow is being totally focused on the task at hand. So that's the main task. So if the main task is riding the bike or, or running, then all of that other stuff, you don't need to be doing any of that to be riding the bike or, or running. Probably the other things that you mentioned aren't all of that relevant to uh, the actual activity. They're more distractors, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need those distractors because what we're doing is perhaps boring or or perhaps it's taking a long time and we we feel like, well, without listening to a podcast, you're not going to get through it. And that's fine too. But just don't expect to also experience flow if you're really paying attention to the podcast. Well, you might get totally absorbed in the podcast, but then that might not help you to have the greatest experience while you're running. So I don't know. What do you find? It sounds like you have some personal experience with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think about this every intervals are on Wednesdays for me and I've had to like be, I had to shift up how I was doing it. Cause I, I started to get in the bad habit of like continuing to listen to a podcast through my intervals, which does not right. help one go faster on intervals. I can tell you that. So I recently shifted to where it's either music or nothing during the interval set. And then I can put the podcast yeah. back on after. And have you found there's a certain type of music that helps you? Um, like I don't need to know what it is, but like, do you, have you found that, you know, you've got these playlists that, you find those oh, um, yeah. listening to those during intervals help you. Yeah. So yep. like there there is some research that shows that music can facilitate flow. That makes a lot of sense. And, and then it comes back to having the right music for that individual. So it's all very individualized, like everything is in training and, and competing. Okay. So I thought that was just so interesting hearing from her about that. And, you know, I think I, I was glad she didn't tell me I couldn't listen to podcasts while I run because that would be very upsetting for me. Although, to be clear, one headphone in, very low volume, always being aware of surroundings, all the safety caveats. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what I was interested in is that I'm not being like a bad athlete by spending some of my time on runs listening to podcasts because I think that was what was stressing me out when I started thinking about flow and endurance sports was like, am I doing it wrong? Like, am I not being a real athlete if I'm distracting myself from my workout? But I mean, you know, we, we talk to pros all the time who I guess are watching movies on the trainer or, you know, are riding with friends even. Yeah. I mean, I think you're allowed to ride with friends. Did someone say you're not allowed to ride with friends? No, but that could, like, I mean, anything about podcast versus riding with friends, like I think skill wise, yes, you obviously get a better skill component when you ride with friends on the bike, but you know, you're listening to podcasts. I feel like you're pretty much like in a conversation with the podcaster, um, riding with friends, you're, you're chatting away with them most of the time. Uh, if we're talking about like conversational ride, not group ride where you're trying to murder Mm. each other. Mm. Um, but it it does pull you out of flow state. Like you can't really be in flow state while having a a chat with your friends. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I guess like it's hard to say. I I don't know. (laughs) I do. I talk to the expert. I am very aware. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think the way I think about this is, so you sort of could have, you know, the intensity and how you've distributed it through the week. So we, you know, we're going to plan your week and you have your Tuesday hard ride and then a Wednesday long ride and then maybe Friday's going to be off and then Saturday's a hard ride, Sunday's a long ride. I skip Thursday, but you can insert what you like on Thursday. And so I think you could think about focus in that way too. And it might even be on the day, like quite micro, uh, you know, 
in the warm up there might be music maybe during the main port part of you know your intervals on tuesday maybe there isn't any music right same as in the race like you can warm up with music and you know listen to whatever gets you amped up you know try and really focus and not avoid you want to avoid focusing on like what other people are doing during your warm up. We have to side note the Evie Richards uh, oh. <laughs> start of the cross country uh, women's mountain bike at Lenzerheide. Uh, the uh, they tried to ans- the ask the TV her commentators. Yeah, yeah came over and they were the trying rollers. to ask her questions while she was on the rollers, and she just goes, "Sorry, I could only hear Nicki Minaj." <laughs> but then answered the question, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's you know, in the warm up, you're trying to get this focus. Maybe you're like really feeling your body and trying to really hit those warm up intervals. Maybe you're trying to visualize and get yourself amped up. So you know the start. So you're simulating the start. What's it going to feel like? Uh, getting amped up, right? Like trying to get to that inverted you of arousal which sounds a lot like what you're talking about with flow straight is there's like this rainbow shaped curve we're trying to warm ourselves up so that we're at that optimal arousal is what they call it uh, or excitement you know nervousness uh, and then we're going to get to the start line and you have to take your earbuds out so same with the intervals i think maybe it would make sense to not do it with music sometimes so that then you can focus on the breathing that sort of stuff to finish that thought then so then wednesday might just be a long ride and maybe for that one you do listen to podcast and maybe it's less important that you're you're super focused yeah because i mean to that point of the the u curve like there's only so long you can be in that optimal space right? It's whether we're talking U-curve, whether we're filling up a cup, like there's just only so much energy we have to spend in that like completely dedicated zone. So I do think it is important to, you know, not feel like every single ride or run has to be at full attention, at full focus. And it's probably, here's a thought we hadn't necessarily spoke about this, but I wonder too, you know, someone who's, you know, an elite triathlete, you know, prime of their uh, career, they're really motivated. They're going for Ironman Kona, you know, probably they are someone and they don't do anything else. They're like swim, bike, run most days, right? Like they're doing their double days and triple days and sleeping and doing all this stuff. And probably they would be a, they're motivated. So they're enjoying it. It's like goal oriented. You know, they have no other decisions or life stuff that they're dealing with. I, I would guess that they probably do go to the pool, get into the rhythm of the workout, slam it out and probably are finding like a, a flow state a lot of these workouts for sure for sure although a lot of them also would be training with friends a fair bit or like have a training group if they're in that like pro level full-on Ironman training so I think they would be kind of yeah, out of maybe. it with some of that know. stuff do triathletes train with other people a lot? sure the know. pros do the amateurs, not so much. Apologies to any triathletes who listen. As I often say, I was one. So Yeah, I mean, in the pool, though, I think you would probably just get into For it sure. and slam it out. And then there's not really a lot of standing around. And yeah, I don't know. I think probably. And then you're out on like a six-hour bike ride and probably you just it's true. roll it out, right? But you probably have a little more energy to mental energy to, to do that, right? Yeah, I think the mental energy is a big piece of this because I think like the, the flow state, the focus... Uh, kind of what I was saying before when I was talking about my workouts, my heart rate probably was maybe one or two beats slower when I was listening to podcasts doing my intervals. Like there's not a huge differential between my workouts with podcasts versus workouts without, but the mental load is much less when I'm listening to podcasts, but mm. I don't think that serves me very well. Like as an athlete. Well, So this relates to my, like my staring to the, at the wall, like a, I like, I just, we didn't have Zwift when I grew up. So I've also just been conditioned that this is normal uh right and i just don't care for the other option we've tried it i I do worse on it 
Uh, I like having the to be able to control it, you know, and just be at my own output. But I think it gets to that, you know, when you're in the interval and you want to push and you want to focus. So then this is where it's sort of like there's the you have to get yourself up the hill. They're maybe really focused on the output or your form or your uh, breathing is a big one. You know, especially if you're listening to stuff, then it sometimes muffles the breathing of hard work. Uh, and that can be scary sometimes. And, and what becomes normal is, you know, if you've muffled it with the sound of Nicki Minaj, then maybe you're not used to the sound of your breathing, which is normal and probably fine. But if you're not, you know, if you're diverting your focus away from it, then this could be something that in a race is, is harder to deal with. And, and then you might back off because you don't want that. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Here's my, so flow is very like present moment focus. So kind of like you were saying about those like physical cues, you're like thinking about your breathing, you're like hearing, you know, your foot hit the ground or, you know, you're really like feeling each turn of the pedals, just like, or, you know, you're focused on the, the length of road in front of you. You're just like all in on that moment. But I, I guess I kind of wonder, and I didn't speak to Sue about this. So I don't know the technical answer here. Focus when you're trying to also like future cast a little bit. So you're doing a bit of like visualization. So that's kind of how I get through probably like the last half of my intervals is very like race visualization, mm. like picturing myself running down the finishing stretch, like that kind of thing. I don't know. So I, I think to visualize while you're doing something I think is possible, but I don't know if you'd be doing it the whole set, but I definitely do that like on the last rep. And I feel like I'm, I want to, I'm like historic for fail. Like I'm good at being second. So it means that like, I don't, so I definitely on the last rep and the last half of that. And I'm like getting chills even thinking about it, but like I tr do try and think about we're coming in. It's like the last two minutes of the lap, the last hill. And like, you got to make the move. And then I'll even like ex try and accelerate into that. Um, we're going to need to take a break to calm down the, right. the altitude but, but of my I breathing think, right now. <laughs> I think that is, you're focused on the task and you're making it richer. I, I don't know. Like I, that could be, I think still like you could be quite engaged in that. I don't think that's, and, and I don't know. Like I, I yeah, I, I think that's okay. I, I don't know that you'd be visualizing the entire time because then you're like not in the present moment. No, like you then say, you're like yeah. tripping over everything in front of you. <laughs> but it is like, so the one aspect is this, that you lose sense of time. It's not that time slows down in, in mm -hmm. the way I interpret it is that like actually you're just like engaged. And I've had this like in the nationals, I did the best. Like it was like I was in it, but there was no like in the middle where you were like, Oh my God, this race is never going to end. And cyclocross, I remember like so often I'd be like, how is it only the second lap of like a hundred? Uh, but then ones that I did well, I remember like, I almost like wasn't processing the laps. It was just like, and another one and another, and you just like keep going through it. Yeah. And I remember it was almost like coming out of it, like almost like in a movie where it's like, you don't, you're not like hearing the like crowd and stuff. And then I remember crossing the finish line and it just like, like the, the, focus or the uh, awareness of just like the sounds of the crowd and the speaker and stuff is just like it you just like came out of it like and like, i think if you watch any like world cup world championships anything like that if you watch the finish line you can actually almost see people like blink back into the present moment and like start hearing the crowds like usually if you watch the racers you can almost see their heads start to like look around because right. they're finally hearing it like watching I, I'm just going to drop spoilers in case anyone hasn't watched Lens or Hide. Uh, watching Nino Schurter get the like record-breaking like mountain bike World Cup uh, overall wins. Mm -hmm. um, watching him like hit the finishing stretch, like look back, like see that he like had it. Like then you could see him really like 
almost like blink in and like start hearing the crowds just going nuts for him. And it was so emotional. Right. And, and I mean, he was celebrating through the finish line. So it probably came a little ahead of the finish line. Well, that's line why I said like in when he realized. It wasn't like a sprint finish or something. But yeah, I, I think that's a nice one. Um, the is there, Do you have anything else around the time and the perception? Uh, yeah. So t- just to kind of like clarify, I guess, time. yeah, basically like the flow state thing is that time can feel yeah irrelevant sped up or slowed down just kind of depending on the context right so for like a someone who's in the middle of a 60 minute time trial or like you say a cyclocross race like yeah it's probably going to feel like almost no time is passing like it's going really quickly right but then like the like i say the downhill or the big wave surf it's almost like it slows down so it's basically like flow state time becomes mutable is probably the the way to phrase it right and and i think the one like if we flip this around, so the time, um, you know, you, you lose sense of time. You almost feel like you could keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, n- not that you can, but that's like almost how, like in the moment, but you'd never ask that question, but it's that weird effortless effort is how she phrases but it. But in Google, when you look up just flow state, like every, like people ask, how do you trigger flow state? How do you know you're in flow state? What activities put you in flow state? Is flow state good for you? Uh, and how long can you stay in it? So a lot of those are around this idea of like trying to get into it. And mm-hmm. it's like one of those, like if you try to get into it, you're not getting into it. That's it. We had like a very lengthy discussion of like the, the meta like thing with flow state is y- if you think that you're in it, you're probably not in it because if you're thinking about it, that means you're not focusing fully on the task at hand. Right. It's so probably, you might have blinks of like thinking like, Oh, like or this feels good. Uh, maybe it's like dogs where like, if you don't like dogs, it's like every dog wants to sit on top of you. It's and, true. Yeah, you know, like Except our of, dog. Our dog hates you. <laughs> well, definitely don't try to talk to him because that's not going to go well. No. Uh, so that's that. So then I think where we're going with that though, is if you invert this idea of, of, you know, time, you're, you're losing sense of time. So you're not thinking about the finish of the workout or like you, you know, these other things, then probably what this is telling us is like being in the moment or focusing on the task or focusing on the process. So this is where in the workout, when I stare at the wall using my own example, or when I'm going up the local interval hill, I'm not so much thinking about like the last time I did this workout or something like that. I'm maybe just thinking about like holding on to the power I'm pushing or the feeling I'm pushing, trying to stay steady. Uh, you know, even if, especially when you're outside, you know, trying to think about like the gear you're in and getting through this section uh, it's, it's very, you're just trying to keep putting your focus and this is focus refocus again, is not easy, but it's as the mind drifts is like meditation almost where the mind will drift to, Oh, I want to go home and have lunch. And, Oh, I want to go home and just sit on the couch. Oh, look at this person judging me on the side of the road or something like that. But you have to refocus back onto some of these controllable things. These might be workout goals or the sensations or the things you're wanting to do. Uh, you know, and, and some of the keywords, the mantras you might have. So it might be like breathe or what's next. I really like what's next uh, in, in a mountain bike example where we're thinking about sections of the course. Uh, but yeah, it could be just, you know, relaxing or shoulders or something like that too. Love it. The last thing I was sort of thinking about on this topic is the um, external versus internal when you're trying to set up the like how to get into flow state question mm. or like how to get focused question because I think you can kind of like there's sort of probably two two sides of this the first I was thinking I was like oh well you know if you pick a like challenging terrain so like a you know steeper hill or like a more challenging single track if you're trail running or mountain biking uh, it's gonna put more focus on you to like do the thing um, but that might almost like peak the challenge a little bit too much. 
and take you a little out of it because now mm. you're a little over the challenge level for like optimal arousal, optimal flow state. Flip side, my personal, like I get made fun of all the time because my runs tend to be on the same path just over and over and over again. I'm very like, this is my path. I like this loop. And I always say it's because it lets me like stay very much in my head and very much focused on what I'm doing mm. rather than having to think about like, Ooh, do I need to turn right here? Do I, you know, like, or it's, you know, harder to do intervals on more technical terrain mm. or like be fully in them. Um, and, but that maybe is a little too much boredom on the, uh, on well, the I'll give scale. this to you. Like another aspect of, of, of flow state is, is, a loss of self-consciousness and not thinking about your yourself. Uh, so I, I think there is like internal focus. So breathing or how I'm feeling like the perceived exertion, that's probably internal. So I don't know that it's super clear, but you definitely can't be thinking, Oh, I suck. Or these people think I suck. Or this is where the focus is becoming like you're getting distracted by these other thoughts. So that I think if that's something that you find like that negative self-talk is not, not you, but like the listener, uh, we all have this, it's like, I feel great. Negative Thanks. self-talk. It is some of this where the mantras could help or the refocus could help, or this is where I really like what's next. Um, and, or, you know, the what's next is saying, maybe you don't know what's coming next. And this is where for you, it might be, if you were struggling to get into flow state, it might be that the, the flat rail trail isn't providing enough stimulus or challenge to get to flow state and now you're becoming very internally focused like and com maybe comparing to past time so this is past focused and internal focus so it might be you need to always run new routes or a more technical more challenging route um which you know i think is sometimes something to like think about is just you know is that hill or that area you're training getting old where you have to spice it up and, and go do something, you know, even in a different direction or a different bike or a different, something like that where you've increased the challenge, right? Maybe you're getting bored. And then again, this is where that it's harder to get into flow state. So I think that that self-consciousness is a, a interesting piece that comes up a lot with the flow state is like the negative self-talk, the just being like thinking that you you don't belong. Right. And mm -hmm. I think the way to be in flow state is you have to think that you're like in this, this environment that you're thriving. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that actually leads pretty neatly into our, our next question, which was around someone who was asking about how to go harder in their intervals. Um, and I thought this was super, super interesting. So the, the question is like trying to have stronger interval efforts. I tend not to go full out. Something holds me back. Like I'm scared I'll blow up or simply that it'll hurt. So that sounds an awful lot like the anxiety side of the, the flow coin here. Yeah. And, and I mean, they said, I know practice because <laughs> uh, I think they know what I'm going to say, uh, you know, as far as go ahead and you do it more. Uh, what else do they have here? Uh, how important is doing intervals at 90% versus 100% of perceived exertion? And this is a great question because I think like, uh, I mean, for most, I'm going to say like I live and die by perceived exertion. Um, sure. But I also only have three gears in perceived exertion. So it's it's sort of funny to even like, for me hearing this is actually like interesting because I wouldn't have a difference for those two things. Cause I have easy, medium and hard as sort of my, my right. things. And maybe there's like, maybe there's like the top gear of like death sprint. Well, but. like sprinting. Yeah. This is where the perceived exertion gets tricky. I really like perceived exertion, but maybe just as a, 
uh, do you want to start there? I guess that's where we could start. Like in the moment, there's perceived exertion. So if you if we sprint, we line it up and we do right across the soccer field as fast as we can. That's ten out of ten. And, and like I tell you, you know, whoever you're getting a thousand bucks, whoever gets to the other goal line, and we're gonna just send this as fast as we can. Ten out of ten. But the tricky thing with RPE is we could also have like a ten out of ten if it's like okay, we're gonna do an hour time trial, you know, forty k time trial. That could be ten out of ten. Um, you might pace it where it doesn't feel too bad to start. And then maybe you get to 10 to 10, but 10 out of 10, but that's in the workout. And then there's also session RP, which most people don't think about that much, but it is in training peaks and it is in a lot of things that I think will maybe will become more prevalent. I'm hoping come become more prevalent in future years, but it's really asking how hard was this workout? So after the workout, you maybe shower, how hard was this workout out of 10? The hardest thing you ever have done in your life, you know, you fall over at the finish line, you're vomiting, you know, you can't work out for the next week. That would probably be a 10 out of 10 workout. So the session feeling session, how hard was that session RPE 10 out of 10. So I always try and preface that like most workouts, in fact, probably every workout is not a 10 out of 10, uh, for the session. And I think that's important to differentiate here that, you know, we're not, if you, if it's like a vomiting workout, like I just don't know, like that isn't really sustainable in the long term for consistency. So we want to be really careful trying to push to this ten out of ten, right? And I think I'm also like I would question the metrics for this one, right? Like, how are you? When are you thinking that you're going ninety percent versus a hundred percent? Like, is it during the interval that you're thinking like? oh, I could go harder, but I'm only going 90, you know, like I'm only mm. going 90%. Or is it afterwards when you're sort of looking at the data and then you're starting to think, oh, I think I only went, I like, gone harder. I should have gone harder. Because I think that's a huge difference. Because if, if you're able to think about it during like an all out effort, if you're able to think I should be going harder, then yeah, you might you might be able to go a little harder. But if it's right. after the fact and you're just kind of armchair quarterbacking your own workout, that probably wasn't the case. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's easy to think about this after the fact, right? We always forget how hard, you know, we're, we're in Leadville or near Leadville right now. And I'm thinking, okay, it's been like 12 or 13 years. <laughs> What's a hundred miles. I can roll this out. You know, I'm not 12 years older. You know, <laughs> I love riding more than 90 minutes. Uh, so I, I think this is a great way to think about it is, you know, are we talking about session RPE? Or are we talking about like in the moment RPE when we're talking about the feeling, right? A little nebulous, but I, I do think that you hit on it there that just like, are you saying this during the workout? Because if it's not during the workout, you know, so that's that's one piece. And then this is one workout. This is where sometimes these topics get too tricky is, okay, sure, like it's just one workout, but like look at the workout and then next workout, now you have goals, right? We're going to go, ideally, if you go back to the same area, this is why I like the local interval hill. It can get old and you all have to mix it up and change it up for, you know, you get bored of it, you do a different one for a while. But sometimes having those local interval hills, you know, will let you try and play and practice these things. I like the word play, right? Like there's no, no one's going to, if you fail the workout, it's fine. If you have to recover a bit more between, it's fine. If you overpace and fade, it's fine. If you start too easy and, and really finish hard, that's fine. Those are all great experiences because that's what races are like. You overpace and you have to get yourself home. You start too easy and then you finish really hard, right? You pace it perfectly, like tabletop across this is what we're trying to learn in those intervals so this person who asked the question said i know practice but when i say practice i mean that you're paying attention and setting workout goals and you know attending maybe this isn't listening to music and podcasts but like what is four by four at 200 watts on your local interval hill what is that 
Yeah, and I think the the being scared you'll blow up. I mean, I get that because I we have talked about you know trying to get through workouts and not uh, you know blowing it on the the first interval, like just going so hard on the first interval that now you can't do the second, third, fourth. But I think mm-hmm. what we're saying whenever we say that isn't that like you can't fade. It's that you should keep trying for the other four like the other three intervals right so even you know so say it's the four four minutes at 250 watts on this hill whatever so the first one you're like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna really go for it i'm gonna like give it 100 percent. so you go 260 and like you feel great the next interval like you're like down to like 230 it feels like absolute crap and like it's you know the problem we always have is like people do that second interval and it's lower and they're like workouts over can't do it everything's ruined um mm-hmm. that's the one we don't like but we're fine if like the next two intervals are like say 220 and two t- or even like 190 but you're trying because that at least is information and i i like the idea of like you you have this hill that you have to get up four times and you've set that goal so if the interval turns out to be like a four minute and 20 second interval, then that's okay. But that to me is a lot like, that's like setting the stage for your races where you're going to drop out because the first one was really fast and then you, you fade and you don't get up the hill the last time you just pull off and go to your car. And that's, I think those intervals are what's making like the mindset and, and just the, the, like I finish. And again, it's not that you can never quit, but I think a lot of times we can take a breath, take an extra couple minutes recovery and then go and do the best you can on the interval. And then next week come back and okay, Peter said 250 on the thing. Maybe I'll just start at 250 instead of trying to tr- prove them wrong and do 280 Watts. Right. Cause you do see that where it's, especially with those, what you're describing as sort of like a VO two or a zone five, uh, workout. And a lot of times you'll see people push into zone six, you know, they'll, they'll go way over and you only have so much time. It's over that threshold. You only have so much time there, right? So it, the reality will set in. And that's good to learn, you know, how long you can stay in that red zone. But that's sort of going through the red zone, right? You're sort of like, right. I, I use the analogy and we have a post about putting your hand in the fire. And this is just shoving your hand in the fire and getting burnt versus, you know, sort of like a marshmallow where you're, you know, browning the marshmallow. Just that golden crisp. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is, you know, take notes and then you, you, you got to keep coming back. And, and if you quit, then you don't get to learn that, oh, I actually did finish. And actually on the last interval, I actually like did 240 or 250 i was right in the zone because i could see the finish line so maybe my brain was lying to me on the third you know that second and third when it was saying that i'm the stupidest person in the world and i suck maybe my brain was actually lying to me so now when you come back the next time you can be a little more courageous and maybe you do keep going at your 240 230 and you don't stress that much over a little bit of fading right if you look at any race there's going to be fade like any of these shorter mountain bike races cyclocross races usually the first one's so fast and then you'll see things level off. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. It's not the end of the world to fade. Um, but I think in the intervals, it doesn't have to be vomiting like 100%, like, you know, collapsing at the top of the hill. We just want to keep coming back and accumulating time in the zone. And I thought that that would be a good thing just to double check on time and zone. Did you have anything else? Uh, I just wanted to touch on the, um, the, I'm scared that simply that it will hurt. And, Mm. you know, they say it's silly to say or say out loud because that's ridiculous. It is and it isn't. Like, I 100% like completely relate to that feeling. Like, it's, it's really hard to push your body to where it's going to hurt. I always joke, that's why I do 100 milers. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like, the hurt that comes from a 5k is so much greater 
than the hurt that comes from a hundred miler, in my opinion. Right. And I do think this, so I think it relates to that example I gave earlier with the flow state where the Ironman triathlete is all, all their decisions, all their mental energy, all their mental fatigue would go into the training. The rest of us, it's very hard. That's why we don't, you know, if you're following a plan that has, you know, three and four days of intensity and high focus, you know, it's probably not the greatest one. What we'd probably do is one or two days and you try and push those to the best days of the week for you. Try and put those earlier in the day for most of us if you can, so that you don't get fatigued mentally, at least from work and life and you get that in. And, and I think then sometimes there's that mental energy to keep pushing and keep, you know, enduring. That's all endurance is. You know, if we read that great book by, it's Alex Hutchinson who wrote the Endure. Is that right? Yep. Uh, great, great stuff around this, like putting your hand in the fire. And, you know, I think it, there actually was one of putting your hand in hot water and, and persisting and just the different ways that self-talk and, and uh, pre-fatiguing, the pre-mental fatiguing, they'll make you do a bunch of like math and, and dot, Pushing I think stuff. it was freezing water, not not hot water. Probably, maybe someone doesn't get really injured. Seems way <laughs> too dangerous. Yeah, uh, but then they would they would persist less long. You know, if they were mentally fatigued from like mentally fatiguing tasks, they would do uh, beforehand. So I, I think that is something where like even just in the structure of your week, without even getting any more mentally tough, you could like use what you have a little more just by maybe you know planning for a little better uh, that way. Yeah. yeah, and the last thing on the hurting kind of complex concept. Um, it made me think about when I was doing yoga teacher training, the big thing that we kind of learned to remind people of is that it's okay to feel a little bit of like discomfort in a yoga stretch. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't feel pain in it. And so I could think be reframing it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's safe to say like, you know, yes, going really hard is not going to feel amazing, but like it also shouldn't be like, painful like if it if it actually feels as though something is wrong like that's that's not the thing right. Um, right. we're looking for you know discomfort like you're you're feeling like you're pushing through something and like maybe maybe your muscles feel a little tight maybe they maybe you even cramp a little bit or you you know start getting that like little bit of that like headache be like behind your eyes because you're like pushing so hard but like if you're getting a migraine or you're like stopping to vomit right. like that yeah no you've gone too you've gone too far like no back I, it off yeah for sure and i think the thing i try and think of with, and this might relate, this might be, you know, aside from just like, oh, you're doing fine and don't push so hard. You don't have to push so hard. If you want to push harder and you think you need to, sometimes it's, it's the why. And then the why is, you know, I'm on interval four of five and it's starting to hurt and I want to quit or back off. And it's going to really be hard to hold on to this wattage again on the next one or this time up the hill on the next one. This is where you maybe are doing the visualization of like, this is just like that last race where the guy got me on the last lap or on the last hill, right? And they attacked and I wimped out and backed off just like I'm doing. And so you're going to visualize it and you're going to beat them this time, right? And I'm getting chills. I hope maybe, maybe you're getting chills too, but this is where there's that why. And so if you're not training for anything, this is where it gets a little trickier because in that moment, you're going to have to, you know, manifest something like the reason you're pushing this deep, uh, at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Uh, did you want to touch on your zone thing before we wrap it up? Yeah, I think the only thing I mentioned that zone five, you know, six, where a lot of times I'll see people will say, okay, zone five, but, the, but Peter said like max sustainable and they don't believe on the first four minute interval of five or whatever, whatever the, I'm just making up random sets here, but 
five by four or five by three and it says 250 watts and you're like i can definitely do 270 well of course you can for one but the po- point was to get time and zone for th- for five or whatever the number is right and this is the same with threshold or anything you can go harder for one this is strava this is your time trial effort right like you can do one 20 minute effort as hard as you can that's you know your cp20 or whatever but if it's two by 20, you're going to have to do a percentage of that. So this is where having your zones calibrated and understanding what you're trying to do. And it's, it's time and zone. It's not maxing out. It's just in that zone. So knowing what your goal is or what the target of the workout is, and you may have to ask a coach or ask, you know, look a bit deeper into the workout description or to figure that out and then just be like, okay, so the first one maybe isn't going to be a 10 out of 10, but I bet you by the time I get to number five, it is and or just go harder as the workout and then next week come back and go okay well 250 was too easy i'm going to try a 255 or 265 i was going to say that reminds me of our oft-cited uh complete before you compete concept 100 percent. first time you do a workout try and not <laughs> you don't want to light the world on fire on the first rep of the first time you ever do a workout exactly i think as a coach you would say it's much more impressive if the last rep is like the highest out of all of them well or you just do the workout as prescribed right like i think a great comment and not many comments you or not many clients use this but like as rx is is just like you did it (laughs) you know and and you could say it was too easy or you know if you use the rpe scale you could be like this was a three out of ten as rx you know something like that that would be like just as prescribed as as you know suggested and then next time you know this is where you could do some goal setting in that post-workout log Next time, I think I might try a little faster or, or finish a little harder or start each interval a little harder or harder hill or whatever. That's what I always tell my, or I put in my training log, it's a fancy business, which means it was nothing fancy, all business. Right. And it got done. Fancy business. Right. Yeah, you can have those codes for sure with... It's just a nice little thing that makes me happy. <laughs> All right. So I think we've pretty much covered a fair bit there on the focus, the effort. You know, hopefully that gave you some ideas on how to push a little bit harder or when to not push hard and when to, you know, actually lean into not being fully focused or in flow state. All right. If you have any more questions, we got a couple good ones in this past week. So definitely hit us up over at consummate athlete or consummateathlete.com. And again, if you're interested in doing that blood work, it's insidetracker.com backslash consummate. And we will see you next week. Uh, send good vibes my way. Send them up high. I will be at Leadville on Saturday. Um, so please, you know, keep, keep sending me good thoughts. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.